0: it's another episode of The Ish List. Uh, you know who I am? I am the music guy, CJ Plane, And today, uh, we're going to go a little off topic, I guess. We've uh, spent some time uh, talking so far about movies, and we've done some music stuff. We've covered comedians and different things. And today, we're going to get into books, some reading Uh, Some mental homework for y'all. I know y'all, most of y'all don't probably read all that much. Because reading is kind of a lost art. Which is a damn shame. Because reading is fun. Reading is fundamental. And there's a whole lot of y'all that could benefit from reading a book. Or 10. Or 50. Uh, (laughs) Over here, uh, my uh, co-host today, my uh counterpart my partner in crime so to speak uh is Mr. Ian Bush uh he is an author among uh, other things and uh he's going to give you a short background on himself and then we're going to get into uh it's not really a top 10 list this time so much as it's just uh 10 books that every book lover uh should read before they die so uh how are you today <laughs>
1: going on, man? I'm glad to uh, be here and stimulate some other things besides what people normally think, right? Right. <laughs> or to stimulate that brain. No.
0: <laughs> Jeez, As- man, no. Actually think with their brain instead of sitting on it?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate that introduction, man. So, yeah. um, I'm actually a Michigan native. I've been writing stories for about 13, 14 years. I started in 2010 uh, with my first self-published book, and then in 2012 I had a book deal and then it really took off in 2013. Um, you can see me on Amazon. You can see all my books. I'm not going to list them off. But um, I spend my days writing, enjoying my time with my daughter, firefighting, uh, disc golf. And I'm also on Off the Chain with Yvonne Mason. I know you had her on. When did you have her on?
0: Uh, about last Let's week. The episode hasn't gone up yet. It'll, uh, that one's going to go up soon. uh her and I did okay. the um, Ten Worst Things About the Holidays. Um, oh, she yes. So uh, we we she had fun with that one. Season,
1: she calls it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had we had fun with that one, and um, that'll yeah, be. So listen, I'm pretty sure that's the next two. one up. Yeah, that's the next one up. That'll go up. uh nice. That will probably go up tomorrow, or uh, that'll nice. go up Friday morning is when it'll go up. So um, okay, about two more days. Well, I, gave you, I gave
1: your listeners a sneak peek then, so yeah. uh, you can catch off the chain. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and then other than that, um, kind of like you said, man, I'm a, I'm a book lover. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a people lover. Obviously, with the firefighting side of me, but uh, you know, books have been some of my closest friends since I was a child. You know, when right. nobody else was around, that's 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 who kept me comfort. That's what yeah. kept me going. They were they weren't just glue and pages they were they were friends so I'm, I'm glad to be here with you on the show i really appreciate you uh bringing me out here and let me join join your show tonight and co-host and I'm, I'm really glad that i got to uh do this topic tonight with you
0: yeah you know books books have a special meaning to me because as i've said many times being the son of a truck driver essentially spending the first seven years of my life more or less living uh, in, in a truck. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have computers then. We didn't have laptops, right. cell phones, none of that. I had books, and I had music, um, yep. which is I why I no know handholds. both so well. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know? No handholds.
0: No handhelds. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't have TV in the truck because TVs back then were just too damn big to put in a truck. A semi, you know, it wasn't something you had space for. Um So I had books and I had music, and it is why now I know music like I do, and it's why I know books like I do, because they've been very important to me. It's why I could read seven hundred words a minute, Um, because I learned even at a very early age. You know, if you do anything enough, you get very good at it, and
1: I was very lucky.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I went into first grade when I started. I didn't actually go to kindergarten. I started in first grade um, because when they tested me, I was so far ahead of everyone reading-wise and math-wise and all of that from, I guess, kind of being homeschooled or schooled on the road. And they, Young Authors of America, was one of the first things in first grade that they said, well, you know, you write so well, you should teacher said you should enter this so i wrote this book about animals and i ended up winning for the entire state of michigan all the way across the elementary school level and i got to have dinner with the governor of michigan which was james Milliken at the time and you know got uh, like a, a savings bond and a certificate and all this other shit um but that's how far ahead i was as as a first grader i beat Everyone in the state of Michigan all the way up to sixth grade. See, it's funny that you say that because for me, it
1: was actually same theme, different subject. Where um, for me, they thought because I had a speech impediment that I was retarded. That's what we used back in the 90s, right? right? So in fourth grade, um, I was reading Lord of the Rings, which is, you know. Not trying to allude to something, but it's one of my top ten, right? Mm-hmm. Not just for the story, but just because of what it means to me. And I think that's how I compiled this list too. It's not just the story; it's what it means to me. There's right. a, there's a theme behind it, yeah. and I think our uh, other book lovers will will appreciate that too. That you know, sometimes it could be a terrible book, but man, because of what the memory was, it means something to them. And uh, I was in fourth grade reading Lord of the Rings, and they're like, "Hey." You can't read that. Here's your C-spot run. Enjoy that. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is Frodo and Sam and and a ring. And like, this is cool. This is what I want to read. And then it started off from there. I mean, fifth grade, they're like, hey, you know, if you love these books so much, you could write your own. Yeah. So I was the kid in the back getting straight A's, writing books during class time when I should be listening. And kind of same along with you. It took um, high school. Somebody read one of my books, and they said, hey, put it in this uh, contest, and I won for the, the publisher, and it launched, you know what I mean? Sadly, I haven't published anything in a long time, and I know when Yvonne listens to the show, she's going to say, like, oh, I keep pushing him, I, I keep telling him, <laughs> she keep, but, you know, she I keep telling me too,
0: because i mean? got, oh. I've got like half a dozen books that are Either half written or in my head, right. or I've got one that is completely written. It's like a short story. I don't want to call yeah. it a short story because it's longer than a short story, but it's not actually book length. Um, right. So I've got that one, and you know, I've I've wanted to do it forever, and I've just put it off and put it off and put it off, and
1: right. Well, and uh, I think we need to tell the listeners too how we met. We actually met through Phoenix Riders back in twenty fourteen, fifteen. Time flies when you're getting old, yeah. Um, but that's where we met. Was you were an inspiring author, and you you were you were doing the music stuff still, and and really involved in that. And that's where we met. Was our our uh, band of brothers and sisters, our our. Uh, you know, orphanage of abandoned children who right? are trying to the <laughs> author and publish. And um, so we've known each other for a couple of years. We, we go back a little bit. And I think we connected, too, because we're both fellow Michiganders. So, yeah. you know, it's Detroit versus everybody. We know that. Yeah. Our listeners know that, too.
0: Michigan <laughs> versus Detroit everybody, out. man. Not just Detroit, right. Michigan versus everybody, man. It's
1: oh yeah. I mean, they they try to let us die in the in the winters, and we just keep coming back like cockroaches. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> we're like herpes. Once you got us, you can't get rid of us.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> Except through divorce. But anyways, no. we're not going to get into that. No. We're not going to get we into
1: know. that. We posted um, that was a red wine today. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: Oh um, I. I just noticed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've only got nine books on my list, so I know the tenth one I'll throw in. Uh, so I'll start with that. Um, two of the things that are going to be on my list are essentially going to be series, not just books, because they're two of my favorite series of all time, and I couldn't just pluck like one book out of the series. Because once you read one, I promise you'll want to read them all. Um, so we'll let you start uh, with a number 10. And uh, let me grab a piece of paper here so that I can start writing these down.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: my pen. Right it's there. good
1: to know, uh, it's good to tell the, the listeners that you can't count to 10. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I,
0: You know, I, some of my titles are so long that <laughs> I. Uh, I guess I thought I had ten, and I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I do have ten. I just Steve didn't put the tenth one down. So, uh, number ten for you, or number for one, me. or but there, there's no particular order for this list, really. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just ten books that right. you know. So we're just kind of we'll just do that. Yeah, like, what's I, the first I, one?
1: I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't rack and stack these at all. They were yeah. just ten.
0: Um, I, I didn't so either. So we'll just go tenth, with your first uh, one.
1: Yeah, yeah, My tenth one was The uh, Art of War for Writers by James Scott Bell. Um, it is a book that is based off of The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So if you like samurais and you like, um, you know, what the samurai stand for, honor, dignity, respect, there's rules of engagement. Uh, James Scott Bell does a really good job not only giving ode to that book, but helping authors out in a way that, if you're into the samurai culture, it makes sense to you. What's
0: your number 10? Um, I'm going to start with the one that I forgot to write down. Uh, It is a book series. It's called Women of the Otherworld, and it's by Kelly Armstrong. Um, If you like vampires, werewolves, uh, cocky demons, um, pretty much any netherly world-type character... Uh, Kelly has them all uh, in there. Um, if uh, A few years back, there was a series on uh, Canadian TV. It was called Bitten, uh, about the werewolves with Ilan and all of that. That was actually part of, that was the beginning of the Women of the Other World series. Um, okay. I actually started with the third book in the series, uh, which is called Industrial Magic. And not realizing that there were books before that. And when I read that one, I was so into it, I went back to look Kelly up and figured out that she had, at that point, written, like, six books, and there was a ton more. There ended up being, like, 14 books, I think, uh, with tons of little uh, intermediary stories to go between them. Um, But every one of the characters in Kelly's books, uh, whether it's the witches, whether it's the demons, the vampires, or... um, clay clay is like the son of the alpha wolf and um clay is this great character like clay is one of the best written characters ever in a book like she describes clay as blindingly beautiful with all of the charm of a pit viper (laughs) and it's a perfect description of him because he's He's this model type archaeologist, so he's he's basically, you know, like if like if Henry Cavill played a sadistic serial killer werewolf, that would be Clay, basically, <laughs> you know. Right. Okay. Um, but he's he's such a character in the books that he really makes the series. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course there's Ilana, who's the only female werewolf, uh, which of course. Is Clay's love interest, and is why Clay is crazy because he's constantly having to get, Elana out of trouble because they're constantly trying to kidnap her because she's the only werewolf, and it gets the witches involved and the there's a cabal of like the the mafia families of the other world and it's just this really intense story. Oh in um, yeah, but Kelly Kelly's Canadian and she's absolutely amazing writer man and. One of the best book series I've ever read. So, uh, Women of the Otherworld by Kelly Armstrong.
1: <laughs> so, my number nine was um, actually a book that kind of took me surpri- uh, by surprise. And the reason that I uh, found it was because it was a Michigan author uh, about Michigan stuff. So, okay. of course, we've already, we've already said our Michigan pride, right? Right. The book is called At Least in the City Someone Would Hear Me Scream by Wade Rouse and so Wade and his partner um are sick of their jobs and sick of their nine to five daily grind stuck in traffic so they go to Michigan in the deep deep woods and uh they try to live a plain simple life and they find out it ain't so plain and it ain't so simple
0: (laughs) nice yes
1: it, it um it the reason that I like it again Michigan right right um I know, I keep saying it. I, I'm, I'm a disgusting, proud Michigander and that's not even, like, a joke. Like, everyone no, knows. It's... They're like, like they just know. But um, what I like about it is not only is it a um, LGBT author, and we don't have a lot of those. You right. know what I mean? I, I like the diversity of voice. Right. But he writes so well about our, um, I, I guess you could say, culture. Mm-hmm. And our lifestyle and our mannerisms where I I, I vaguely remember, I I haven't read this book in years and I need to go read it again. But he was talking to somebody and they were so cold to him. They just kind of blew him off. Right. But when his tire popped and he's on the side of the road, it was like one of those scenarios. You had two or three people stop by and, Oh, Hey, you need some help. You look like you look like you're stuck there. Like it's pretty cool too. It's pretty bitter. And you need some help. You know what I mean? And like it, it, that in itself told me, yes, that is our people. We can be as cold as a Michigan winter, but as warm as a Michigan summer if you're on our side. And, and we see you need help, we're going to help you. And see the same smile. I I, I I, really dug that. So at least in the city, someone would hear me scream by Wade Rouse. R-O-U-S-E. Maybe Rouse. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um yeah that's funny cuz you know you've <laughs> you've heard the stories about my great grandfather uh dying at 103 oh, yeah. being mean as a rattlesnake and it's funny because the way the one way that I always describe him um was he was as cold as the russian blood that ran through his veins um <laughs> because of you know one he was russian but Surviving the the Russian winters and then coming to Michigan and buying 400 acres of swampland and then turning it into a farm and you know having that farm for 70 plus years, um, you know that was the perfect way to describe him. Is just as just as cold as a Michigan winter. You know, I mean, uh, one of the hardest workers I ever met. But yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely. I've, I've warned a lot of people. Like, if you're with me, you're with me. Like, my loyalty runs deep. Yeah. When you're against me, let the bridges I burn just light the way for everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so the next one right? for me, um, I guess it, it kind of fits in with with uh, what you just said. Um, it's by an author named Poppy Z Bright. Um, when Poppy started she did supernatural stuff and then after the third or fourth book she and her husband bought a restaurant and her books transitioned to more about like food and uh, food stuff. It was still supernatural but it was more food stuff as opposed to uh, what the early books were. Um, huh. And this particular book uh, is called Exquisite Corpse. Um yeah it is about a gay serial killer uh, who is loosely based on Jeffrey Dahmer um who essentially falls in love um with another gay serial killer who <laughs> what are the chances of two right. gay serial killers essentially living uh blocks apart not knowing each other and then running into each other in a nightclub one night and discovering that, hey, we're both serial killers, and, you know, um, so it's just really, Poppy has a a great way of writing, she, you know, she has a lot of LGBT type characters, and, uh, she doesn't throw it in your face so much, but, I mean, she's definitely, she lets it be known, and they're very unique characters, um, She does supernatural and horror in a very cerebral way. It's not like gore or just outright blood loss. It's very, it's hard to describe, but it's very cerebral. Like it messes with your mind in a way that a lot of authors can't do. And, um, you know,
1: I, I just got a new idea for a new uh, a new website like Killers Are Us or something like <laughs> let's hook up these let's hook up these serial killers. What what says love more than just you know hack and slash together? I guess right,
0: <laughs> right. Um,
1: She got me thinking. I, I I think I'm gonna hit the uh, hit the pen and paper after this because I like
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie that uh, William Sean Scott just did too called bloodline and it's kind of along the same line where he plays he plays a serial killer and he uh he basically discovers part of the way through that his kid has all of the tendencies to be a serial killer. And he um the police get onto him and he's going back and he's trying to cover up his tracks and all of that. Um and then essentially you find out that all of these murders that the police are questioning him, he's about it. He's just sitting there with this completely blank look at the cops. Like, he's not trying to give anything away. You find out that it wasn't even him killing all of these people. It was his fucking wife that was also a serial killer. (laughs) And and it's a complete twist. It comes, like, out at the very end of the movie. Like, it's a complete, like, a complete, You you know... um, yeah,
1: a family that kills together stays together, I yeah, guess. I like, don't
0: know. It's one yeah, of the movies, the like, you get... They, right. they don't <laughs> hint in the least that she is anything other than this doting wife who is concerned right. about him and all right. of that. And then all of a sudden, at the end, they just spring on you that, wait, these three bodies the cops are questioning about? They have a flashback, right. and it's her that's doing it, because she's trying to cover for him to throw the cops off. And I was like... Right. Son of a bitch. Totally didn't see that coming. Like, it was the most Dexter, Strangest non-Dexter family. thing right. ever, Strangest you know. Just
1: family business you could ever, you could ever. Yeah, like, day it day. was,
0: <laughs> it was like, you know, it was, it was the best, it was the best Dexter episode that Dexter, they never wrote for Dexter, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Exquisite Corpse by Poppy Zebright is mine. In a roundabout, way, So yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, you're fine, man. Um, we're we're both we're both chatty caffies, you know. Yeah. That, so.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll this show will be
1: good? Is gonna, I don't. Care. Um. Yeah. The listeners, they they can stay or they can go. No.
0: <laughs> I'll split it into um, two if I have to. Whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my number eight is
1: um actually by Stephen King. I know, Grown. Everyone. Oh, he's so overrated. Whatever. This isn't your top ten. It's my top ten. Okay. Um, so actually I really enjoyed Cell Cell was one of his newer ones and I liked the 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 metaphor that I mean I'm not going to give anything away by saying this but that cell phones are literally turning us into zombies and are very powerful tools that we should sometimes forget to use and just come together like human beings and band together against the the you know, technology, if you will. Um, so, in a nutshell, that's that's my number eight. cell by Stephen King.
0: Nice. Um, I'm ju- I'm going to jump all over the place on my list because, like, my list is just completely, you know, <laughs> it's, my, my list is completely just you know as ADHD as I am. Um, the next one on my list um is sort of fiction, but sort of not fiction um A lot of this is based on very true information uh by one of the m- most one of the most insane badasses that the American military has ever produced uh, in this country um Part of his story has been fictionalized. Uh, But I think it was fictionalized basically because the military didn't want the true story out there. And they kind of made him do it. Um, Cannot
1: confirm nor deny the uh, facts of the story.
0: Yeah. um, So (laughs) it's the book Rogue Warrior uh, by Dick Marcinko. If you don't know the story of Dick Marcinko, I'll just tell you, look the guy up, okay? The guy is a complete fucking psychopath. But in a good way um let's just say if shit goes sideways you better hope he's on our side (laughs) um this man was the co-creator of co team six a frogman before that um operation red cell which is one of the most insane military operations of all time that went completely sideways and got him thrown into prison um Not so much because he committed a crime, but because he completely embarrassed the U.S. military uh, in it. Because he was given instructions to do something and it was so easy, he upped the ante without them knowing. and um, Essentially, you know. (laughs) Um, Let me just say this. This man walked, you won't read this in the news, but it's in the book and it is true because there's pictures of it. This man walked into Jacksonville naval base, uh, with a selected team of his choosing of seven people, which essentially became CO Team 6, and they drove, floated, whatever you wanted to say, uh, away with a nuclear submarine for seven hours, because the mission was, for Mersenko, was to infiltrate U.S. military bases to... See how the security was. Could they break in? Could they steal weapons? Blah blah blah. Right. They White were supposed really. to they were supposed to do it essentially you know, the military commander was supposed to know blah 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 before warned but Marsenko said if I warn them then they're gonna know, yada yada yada. He broke into Subic Bay, Jacksonville. This man got on to Air Force One. While it was sitting on an open runway at Miami-Dade Airport, surrounded by Secret Service, and held a U.S. Senator captive. Oops. And videotaped it. That was the thing that was fucked up. Like, this is... People, oh, he's making this shit up. No, they videotaped what they did. Okay? There is video proof of it. Bits and pieces. There's a, there's a DVD called Operation Red Cell. And it got him thrown in prison. Again, not because he committed a crime so much as he completely fucking embarrassed the U.S. government and the military in this. So, uh, Rogue Warrior is basically his autobiography, the first part of it. Um, and again, I think some of it is fictionalized more because they made him fictionalize it than the fact that he wanted to. Um Because doesn't strike me at all as a type that would fictionalize anything. He's, you know, he's 77 years old and he still wakes up at 4 a.m. and does a thousand push-ups and 700 sit-ups every morning, you know. So, (laughs) the guy's, he's a fucking psychopath. There's no other way to put it, but in a good way, you know. Like, he doesn't kill people uh, unless you, like, send him to Vietnam where he served... Uh, four tours of duty and killed 33 people, uh, you know, mostly with a knife. By the way, <laughs> just so that's out there. He didn't use a gun to do it. His his special tactic was to swim up on them and cut their throat. Essentially, um, at one point during Vietnam, uh, there was a million dollar bounty on Mercenko's head uh, by the by the Viet Cong. So <laughs> that's how much <laughs> they hated him and how bad he was. Um. So yeah, uh, Rogue Warrior by Dick Marcinco. <laughs>
1: nice. You know, it's funny that you say that because you know what my number seven is, and the listeners are going to think that we like pre-recorded this. We did not pre-coordinate this. It's some kind of hero by James Kirkwood Jr.
0: Okay. So we'll, we'll get to is, that when we get to that one. Do number four right now. No, that's my that's that is my number. Wow. Oh, okay, I'm okay, okay. I'm okay, yeah, because we're going backwards. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, can. yeah, all we right. Go numbers. ahead, say that again. Then I'm um, sorry.
1: So our our, our fourth Tac Seven or Seven Tac Four, whatever you're looking at, uh, some kind of hero by James Cookword Jr. So he's a five year POW captive in Vietnam, and after um, his stint there, I'm not going to ruin anything, but um, life just changes for him. Obviously, right. And the reason that I liked it, not only because, um, you know, it, it's it's a story about someone going through something that most people don't normally go through. Um, it's It had the whole variety of emotions. You would never think that you could laugh in a POW camp. Right. But you, you could in this story. You'd never think that you would feel what hunger is in a POW camp. In this story, you felt hunger. <clears throat> like... It made me want to go. Oh, see, and it's scary when a book like gets like this to me, right? I right. get so into it. It made me so interested to see how good the author was. I wanted to like make myself hungry to see if it felt like what that character felt like, mm-hmm. just to see how good he truly was. So it was. It was definitely. Um, it was definitely a book that. Mm. Um, made me appreciate what I have in life, made me see that, you know, even when the darkest cloudy days, you could still have some sunshine. And, um, like I said, just a whole plethora of emotions. So, that's uh, Some Kind of Hero by James Kirkwood
0: Jr. Nice. Um, Next one on the list for me, this is a book that got me into more trouble than any book should ever do it, or should, um, because I was, I've, I've told this story a million times, um, I was a smartass. I was an arrogant, conceited kid because I had a history, or I had a knowledge of history and, and topics that um, weren't taught in a lot of schools. And um, the book on the next one on my list, uh, it is called Don't Know Much About History Everything You Need to Know About American History But Were Never Taught in High School. And it's by Kenneth C. Cole. And this book is about 700 pages and is full of what Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. Such as the Helen Keller thing. Everyone knows Helen Keller, the sweet little blind deaf girl who learned to sign language and all of that. The rest of the story is is that after she did that, Helen Keller grew up to be a raging communist who wanted to overthrow the U.S. government. (laughs) And wrote multiple books about it. Um, And I would throw those facts out in class. Like, when we watched The Miracle Worker. Hey, did you know Helen Keller was a communist who wanted to overthrow the government? Well, this was in 1987 when the c-word was still a bad word. Right. Get out of my class! You know. Um, you know. Did you know Henry the Henry the Eighth uh, used to like to give himself enemas because blah 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 blah. You know, different historical things that were in this book that um, probably had no business as a ten or twelve year old knowing these things. Um, so I spent <laughs> so much time in the hallway and in the principal's office because of this book. Um, but at the same time, I'm awesome at history because of this book. <laughs> so um,
1: there's, a, there's a silver lining right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, this is an amazing book. Like, this is just, like I said, it's full of all of the stories that they don't teach you in class. Like, all of the things they should be teaching you. Um, you know, and it's facts about, George Washington and Native Americans I think there's a couple about uh Geronimo and Sitting Bull there's it covers just everything Alexander Hamilton and um I mean there's just there's stuff in this book that you know stuff about Abraham Lincoln and 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 Grant and the Civil War you know all of the junk that they teach you Okay, it's cool, but there's so much more to the story. Uh, one of my favorites being, and a lot of people don't know this, um, everybody knows Custer uh, for, you know, the, um, can't even think of the battle now, uh, Wounded Knee. Everybody knows Custer for Wounded Knee. The, the You know, he just killed the Indians, killed him, blah, blah, blah. What a lot of people don't know is that the Battle of Gettysburg, Um, Yes, the North won. Um, But, there's a reason they won. The South actually, at one point, had a battle plan where they were going to send their troops around and behind the Northern Army and box them in from both sides. Mm -hmm. Now, had this succeeded... The Northern Army would have lost that battle and the entire tide of the Civil War would have changed. The Northern Army essentially would have lost. Except, General George Custer and the Michigan Wolverine Militia, which nobody knew was even coming to join the Union Army, happened to just wander out of the woods towards them at the exact moment that the Confederates were advancing around and cut them off, and stop them from doing it. Now, they don't teach you that, but had it not Go been ahead. for Custer, the giant asshole who was an Indian killer, we would be flying rebel flags everywhere, and slavery would... I'm not saying slavery would still exist, but it would have existed for many more years than it did. Um, the entire war would have gone differently. Um, but they I've never... Ever. In all of my history classes. I've never been taught that fact. But feel free to look it up. It is absolutely true. It's absolutely in this book. And um, yes. um, You can thank General Custer. As much of an asshole as he was. (laughs) For being the one. Who essentially. Pretty much single handedly. Ended slavery. Because. You know. I mean, if he's not in that exact spot at that exact moment, it's a whole different war. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyways. Uh, Percy.
1: <laughs> no, go blue, man, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like.
1: It's, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because there's actually a, a fort in Michigan called Fort Custer.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, who named after. That's, that's who it's right. named after. That's who it's named after. Yeah, a lot of I, I know a lot of people don't know that just George Custer was born and raised in Michigan in the Battle Creek area, um, and Battle Creek, Kalamazoo area, and he led the Michigan militia, a West Point graduate before all of that. But yeah, he ended up getting his ass kicked in the end because he was an asshole and he yeah. was arrogant and he overestimated his.
1: Mike. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean mo- most of us are there. We-, we can all admit that. So it's okay. It's right. just one of us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, what was that book called again for the... For uh, the it's
0: course? called Don't Know Much About History. Everything you need to know about American history but never learned in school. That's by nice. Kenneth C. Cole.
1: So my, my number six was a book by Neil Gaiman. Gaiman? Um, I know he's pretty well-known, and again, right. I, I know some of these are like, why are you hitting the ones that are well-known? Well, because well, they mean something to me. Right. <laughs> so again, make your own top ten.
0: I don't care. Right. Um, and, 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 called- and let me say, anyone that disagrees with this, that wants to do their own list, write on the set media at gmail.com. I will bring you on here with your own list. We can, <laughs> we can discuss it. I mean, you are free to come on and do this if you've got the testicular fortitude. Um, Right. Sorry. We can have a
1: standoff. You bring me back, we bring them, and be like, oh, really? Really? We can have a little bump uh, off, right? uh,
0: (laughs) Please proceed. I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh,
1: you're fine. Um, So, the uh, title's called Fragile Things, and it's several short fiction stories, but um, they're all about fragile things, you know? Relationships. Um and again, this is one of the ones that I haven't read in a long time. This is kind of why I'm happy I did this list. Because uh-huh. I'm like, man, I haven't read Fragile Things since high school. And that's kind of where it was at. That's my introduction to Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman was, um, in high school, I remember being in theater. And between sets, I would be reading Fragile Things in the back. I remember the cover. I remember the dim light because I was in between the curtains. That's not a little bit more... You know, risque than what it was meant to be. But, you know, we we're waiting for the next set.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, just reading it, man, some of the, again, it, it's the emotions. It's it's the, the parallels that he's drawing. It's just the fact that somebody wrote an entire book about fragile things. And when you think fragile, you think glass or don't touch or anything like that. But he just, he blew it out of the water that topic, and um, ever since then, I've got every book that he, he, he wrote, Coraline, um, you know, American, Manassi, American God. yeah, I was going to say that one, because everyone knows that one, but <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying, the, the, um, those, I mean, he's phenomenal, and you know, he actually does comic books, mm-hmm. he does movies, I mean, yeah. we know Coraline, but He's done other movies yeah. and whatnot, and so he's a very multifaceted author, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, very not, multifaceted myself. artist, and yeah. he's very, very cool. So um, if you want the introduction to his world the way that I took it, Fragile Things, Neil Gaiman, Gaiman. I never mm-hmm. knew how to say his last name either.
0: <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's Gaiman. I, I'm pretty Gaiman. sure it's Gaiman. Um, I'll, I'll trust you. Um, so the next one on mine uh, is an autobiography or uh, or autobiography or biography one of the two um it's called Ty Cobb A Terrible Beauty Uh, it is by Charles Elierson and um it's basically a pretty extensive book about Ty Cobb um Ty Cobb really is one of them people who um you kind of have to watch the movies about him and the, the the footage and read the books because he was really just on a whole another level for so many reasons. Um, uh-huh. There is a movie. Uh, it's not based on this book. It's actually based on the one by Al Stump uh, called Cobb uh, which stars Tommy Lee Jones and um, some other famous people. And and Tommy Lee Jones plays the hell out of that role as Ty Cobb. Like I couldn't think of a better person to play it. Um, uh, but this is a book all about Ty Cobb. Uh, what is mythology? What is true? Because uh, there's a lot of mythology about Ty Cobb. Um, my grandfather, who we spoke of earlier, was very good friends with Ty Cobb. Hung out with him many times. Went to the bar with him. Uh, They were a matching book, a matching set of bookends. Um, Mean, cruel, hated children, uh, liked to drink. Um, They were really two of a kind, and I could see why they were friends. Um, My cousins um, inherited much of the Ty Cobb memorabilia that my great-grandfather had. Um, They still have it. It is worth... Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, It'll never be sold because it's family stuff. Uh, But we have handwritten letters from Ty Cobb to my great-grandfather. We have uh, envelopes and and trading cards and um, signed napkins, bar bar napkins, uh, that Ty would write little. Uh, We have one. It's, It's a napkin from a bar on Woodward Avenue in Detroit, uh, and it was after a baseball game, <clears throat> and Ty had essentially spiked one of the opposing players with his cleats. Um, it is a true story. Ty did sharpen the spikes on his cleats to spike the other players when he slid, um, and he had the blood on his hand, and essentially he wrote a joke to my grandfather on this napkin, and as he was writing it, the blood smeared on the napkin, so uh, we have a we have a napkin with a filthy racist joke written by Ty Cobb uh, covered in Ty Cobb's blood so (laughs) probably is worth I mean, if this thing were to go to auction and be authenticated, you know it would probably be worth seven digits, easy Um, but it's locked in a safe um, you know because Heaven forbid that if it was ever sold or given away, my great-grandfather would come back from the grave with a vengeance of seven <laughs> banshees.
1: fury. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a terrible beauty uh, uh, about Ty Cobb uh, by Charles Learson. Um, it's a great story. It's really... There's a lot to Ty Cobb, okay? I mean, he... He had his very good points. He had his very, very bad points. Um, but, hands down, the greatest baseball player that ever lived. By a mile. No one else is even close. Um, you know, it took it took Pete Rose so long to break his record. Um, and there's still records that Ty holds that nobody will ever break, you know. Um, his batting records are... You know, his batting average records will never be touched. Um, You know, I mean, this guy, I think he batted 400 like 16 times or something in his career. So um, nobody's ever going to break that record. They're just not. Um, So anywho, next on your list.
1: So, My fifth is actually by Clive Barker, which I know you will uh, smile and glee and be happy about um clive barker and the book is called mr be gone and so essentially a demon tries to convince the reader to burn the book uh the main character is called jackabock and the entire time he's talking about hey can you please burn this book can you please burn this book well i guess if you are going to stick around i'm gonna tell you some stories and you know i'm a demon i'm this i'm that i'm stuck this is my life. This is what happened. This is how I got here. And it's all in the first person. So when you're reading this book, um, the the copy that I had actually had weathered pages. So it looked like it was a book of very, very old time. And there were sometimes um, defects in the book that you'd be reading, and it looked like somebody tried to burn the page. And so you would be reading the sentence, and it would, you know... The sky is... And it would just be like a little burn mark. And then Uh it would go right back into the sentence. That's what got my love about first character dialogue. Being in a conversation with your main character via book. Because I really felt like uh, Jackabock was there. And uh, that's... I would like to think... A little bit of my writing style. Not of the genre, but style. It's first person. You know, if he's a sarcastic jerk, you're going to hear it. If, um, you okay. know, he feels whatever he feels, you're going to hear it. And he's going to talk to you, just like we're talking right now. So, uh, one more time. That is Mr. Be Gone is the title. And the author is Clive Barker.
0: Clive or Clyde? Clive. Sorry. Clive. Clyde. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was somebody. I thought
1: he didn't. He do like Hellraiser and all yeah. that
0: too. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's funny. I actually, I forgot I had this laying on my desk. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. yeah. It, there
0: it, you go. It, I mean, if you look at him, you can kind of tell just from the expression on his face that he looks like a complete, you know, <laughs> right. badass. And he's he's like sixty. He's like sixty-four years old in that picture. You know. Right. Yeah, and so, it looks
1: better than both of us. No. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> the next one on my list. Um, this is a fun book. It's it's uh, a historical book, uh, but it's a lot of fun because it's from a very different perspective than you normally would get. Um, uh, it is called "Pirate Women: The Princesses, Prostitutes, and Privateers Who Ruled the Seven Seas" uh, mm-hmm. by Laura Silk Dun- Duncombe. Or Duncombe, or Duncombe, however you say it. uh, D-U-N-C-O-M-B-E. This is all about all female pirates and privateers and, uh, you know, females of the sea. uh, Which was very unique because a lot of mythology in that back then, women were considered bad luck on ships. So you didn't see women on ships very often. Um, So for. Characters like um, Bonnie, Alice, and and whatnot that were famous female pirates. Um, you know, they were very unique and very different than your typical Blackbeard and and whatnot, and Captain Jack Sparrow and those kinds of characters. Um, yeah,
1: if, if a female pirate had a black beard, that'd, yeah. that'd be a little bit strange. Yeah. Back then but
0: uh, <laughs> these are all true stories, by the way. This is a a history book about. Real female, you know, sailors. Some were prostitutes, some were princesses, Um, most were privateers who basically did it for the money. Um, So, a very, very good book. A lot of great stories and um, some pretty off-the-wall humor. In it, <laughs> very off color in places. I will also say so. Uh, just be, They're pirates when yeah. I that. mean, just just be warned. You are dealing with pirates and prostitutes. So, um, right. Y- yeah. You're you're not getting any Dick and Jane uh, stories here. Okay. I mean, these are. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that's my next one. So. <laughs>
1: very nice. One more time for the uh, for the. For
0: the uh, oh, it's called "Pirate Women: The Princesses, Prostitutes, and Privateers Who Ruled the Seven Seas." The three P's of
1: the sea.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, I got to think that there's 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 an Ale storm song in there somewhere. Like, if you don't know who Ale storm it? is, uh, they're a metal oh, yeah. band who does like pirate songs. Um, and there's there's definitely like a, you know, maybe a maybe a steel panther ale Storm crossover <laughs> song you know right. princesses prostitutes and privateers <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> oh. so
1: right. my uh my fourth book um <coughs> is conan the barbarian by robert e howard nice so um you know i was introduced to conan kind of at a young age um which probably wasn't good, because if you remember the, the Arnold movie of Conan, you know, it's pretty, you know, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> like, right. You should not be remembering these lines as a child. But it did get me into the books. And when I got into the books, um, something that I like to do is I like to get into the books, but I also like to get into the author. And when you get into the author, these books were written in, in the 1950s. Swords and Sorcery was not... We did not have Dungeons and Dragons. We did not have... right. We had these fairy tales of cute little gnomes, and and we did not right. have the barbaric, you know, swords and magic and all that. So really, not only did he um, blaze a trail for the swords and sorcery, not only did he write amazing books that, um, you know, I, I still cherish, but you have a snapshot into how we used to read and how we used to write. Because in the 1950s, it is very, very descriptive.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I could, I would spend a page or two just reading about what this person looked like and his mannerisms and all of that. (laughs) And we don't do that anymore. We are so quick with the draw where it's all like, Hello, my name is Ian. Uh, I have gained some weight, Uh, my hair is balding, and I'm funny. Yeah. This is my story. Yeah, <laughs> but you, when you're reading those Conan the Barbarian books, you would get a character. I mean, it would be down to the hair follicle yeah. on some of these people, where it's like, you know, so, you, you're imagining these people and you're imagining these scenes and the maps yeah. and the the towns, and it just, yeah, you know, I I know a lot of people. That's one of the biggest reasons why they don't like Conan. They're like, yeah. uh, get to the action why are we still talking about that the town's in sand <laughs> like no dude I will, he's building
0: I will admit god bless her soul you know recently losing Anne Rice who oh, absolute yes. literary giant and an icon the one thing that turned me off about Anne's writing is she was that type of writer um, yeah. Oh, yeah, You know, it's, just, it's like, Lestat walks up to the red door, it's this many inches wide, and this many inches tall, surrounded by, I don't care, it's a red door, walk through the door, let's move along, okay, I don't need to know how big the door was, how thick the door was, I don't need to know that it was owned by somebody in 1863, right. move through the door, let's move the story along, let's go, let's go, let's yeah. go, and Anne drove me crazy, because she very much would she was very descriptive and she was good at it don't get me wrong right but i'm very much from the school of i want action and right. when a book it's starts to drag right. like that um yeah you know the the dune series by frank herbert very much yeah. is yeah. the reason that i have taken years to read the dune series because frank has a habit of Let's just say he's old, He's long-winded.
1: <laughs> I mean, the, the same with Dracula. I could never yes. get through Dracula. Because you're talking about Dracula, and in the middle of it, you go into this, like, high school, uh, you know, like, gym locker room girls talking about how beautiful he is. And I'm like, first off, where did this come from? Second right. off, why do I want to read this? Right, and I, I stopped. I remember that's where I stopped, in Dracula. Yeah. So, um, you know, Conan's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, But... If you are in the right mindset and you want right. a little piece of history and you want to see how people thought back then, I mean, that's people were slower then. They liked yeah. the minute details. They weren't right. they the 100 channels on TV, right. commercials every 15 minutes, stimulation, stimulation. They thought things out, and I really respect that. So yeah. my number four, um, and again, this is in no particular order. There's 10 books. But um, my number four for my list is Conan the Barbarian by Robert E. Howard.
0: Nice. Um, next one on my list uh, this one again kind of like the Mersenko thing um, this is a fictionalized account of a real person um, uh, it is the book Lion of Ireland uh, by Morgan Wellen. Uh basically uh, this is the first, first book in a series of books about the life and children of Bi- Brian Baru um he was one of one of the greatest irish high kings uh chieftains uh he is the essentially the irish high king who uh united the country of ireland uh, when it was just tribes uh, and he united all of the tribes under one thing um viciously fought the vikings in many many battles um was an absolute fierce warrior And one of the greatest Irish of all time. Um, And this... Morgan says this is a fictionalized telling of his story. There are bits and pieces of it in there that are true. Like, you know, she does use some of the dates and all of that. Uh, But mostly, she's taken the battles and the famous things. And she's kind of made them into what would make a great TV series. Like a Viking-style TV series. Um, and there's rumors that they are going to turn it into a series, but those rumors have persisted since the 1980s. So <laughs> we'll, we're still holding our breath. You know, the book came out in 1980. they was supposed to be the first series in 1984. Um, here we are in 2022, and they're still talking about it. So we'll see. Um, yeah, it's called it's called Lion of Ireland uh, by Morgan Llewellyn. Uh, great series. There's also one called Son of Lions, and then another one called The Pride of Lions. Um, you know, really, really great series, um, if you love the whole historical fiction thing. And um, Morgan has also, let me say, she's also written a series about druids, she's written a series about the Vikings, uh, she's written a lot of non-fiction about the same subjects. Um, oh, come on. Uh, so, uh, basically, in a nutshell, uh, it is called Lion of Ireland, Morgan New uh Irish author, amazing, amazing stories about all kinds of topics, uh, fiction and non-fiction, uh, but this particular one is about Byron, Byron, <laughs> Brian Boru, B-O-R-U, um, so, yes, um, number, I guess it would be number three for you.
1: Yes. Number number three, tack, what seven? Seven tack three? Yeah,
0: somewhere <laughs> along there.
1: Um, I, this one's actually kind of an easy one because I already kind of alluded to it. Lord of the Rings, Tolkien. Um, not only again different style of uh, different style of um you know writing because of the time frame. He built all these worlds, all right. of that, but he had a very very deep um impact in my life because he made me finally not be a label and that was really powerful for me that you know for so long you get told hey this is what you are and I keep telling people no and they're not listening and I've kind of kept that with me my whole life that when somebody labels me as something that I'm not if as long as my actions show right Mm -hmm. uh I'll be humble and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's me. But if I feel like that it's a very gross um, mischaracterization of who I am, I will stand up for it. And that's because of what I grew up in was, hey, you're retarded. And, you know, it also made me a more understanding person. Um, When somebody tells me, hey, that person's a troublemaker, guess what? I'm going to go see if that person's a troublemaker. I ain't going to just
0: listen to you. Right let me see if the label sticks. If it sticks, I'd be like, oh yeah, he's
1: a troublemaker. But if he doesn't, you know, then I'm, again, it's, it's our culture, man. I will advocate for him forever. No, he's not a troublemaker. That is one person's opinion. He has done this, that, and the third. So, um, not only is it a great story, but for me, it has a really deep connection. So, Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Nice.
0: And it's very, very funny that he should say, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Um, Because the next one on my list is heavily uh, influenced (laughs) by Tolkien. He has admitted so himself. Um, It is the series by Christopher, Pellini, uh, The Inheritance Cycle, uh, Aragon, Brissinger, uh, all of those books. Um, We will not speak of the movie. I'm not going to fight anyone tonight. Um, But The Inheritance Cycle... Uh, in and of itself, the fact that uh, Christopher was 15 years old when he started it, he was 18 when it was published, he self-published it because nobody took him seriously as an 18-year-old writing this epic story of a book that had 700-plus pages. Uh, He created his own languages like Tolkien, his own worlds, his maps. He did everything right out of his bedroom. And then... His dad, with his, they, they own a small publishing company in Montana, in Paradise Valley. Um, they published a few copies, sent them out, and sent them to libraries and different places. And then the band was outstanding uh, to the point where they essentially forced uh, the hand of book publishers to have to publish this because people were writing threatening letters to book publishers for not publishing this book because they wanted copies and Christopher's father simply could not print them fast enough to fulfill the orders they were getting. Um, Ended up being a bestseller, New York Times bestseller. Um, There are not a lot of 18-year-olds walking around uh, who can claim to have a New York Times bestseller that is 700-plus pages in length. Um, All four of these books in the cycle... Uh, our 650 plus pages, um, it was actually supposed to be a trilogy, um, but when he went to write the third book, it was so long, it was 1,200 pages, that he just couldn't, you can't release a book with 1,200 pages, uh, so they split it into two books, and um, yeah, just an amazing story, Uh, absolute literature feat by somebody of that age, and um, you know, if you took Lord of the Rings and the Dragon Riders of Pern and kind of put them in one book, that is the inheritance cycle, more or less, so um, yeah. But, again, don't watch the movie, because it'll make you want to fight people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, the inheritance cycle. Christopher Pellini. Uh, That's my answer.
1: (laughs) So, uh, number two for me um, is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Nice. Obviously, Firefighter, duh, right? (laughs) But more than that, right? Um, I read this book when I was a kid, and um, it kind of put a weird spin on firefighting. And I was hooked. I mean, I was 13 or 14 when I first masked up, tanked up. I still got the photo. I got short length hair. I take off that mask. They take a photo of me. Biggest smile in the world. And my hair is just so goofy. But more so than that, again, it's a book about Guy Montag. He's a firefighter and he destroys books in the houses that hold these books. And he never questions Why? but then he meets this person named Clarice who challenges his mindset. That, kind of along the lines of Lord of the Rings, there's a theme of not completely conforming, but conforming to what you believe in. And, and understanding that um, you need to sometimes challenge the status quo. Right sometimes you you really do need to ask the question hey why are we doing this again right what, what's the purpose of this like you're telling me to jump up ten times uh, jump up and down ten times but but why is it for my health is it because you're telling me what is it and so um, that book has stuck with me I believe I still have a 10 cent copy of it which all book lovers know like dude you got a ten cent copy like that's one of the originals. You know what I mean? That's right. that's, um, that's a big deal in book,
0: book land. So, hey, for uh, silly season Christmas ideas, if you got a book lover, yeah,
1: go to your local store, find you a 10-cent book of your favorite author, buy it. I don't yes. care if the cover's torn off, I don't care if the pages are all marked up, man, a true book lover will almost cry. Yeah. Because... Um, I actually found, I think, the ten cent book at the, uh, help me out here, bud. The, uh, big factory that turned into a bookstore in Detroit. It's a five-story factory.
0: That's uh, good. I've, I've uh, never heard you, of it, actually.
1: Uh, I'll get you the name after this, and then we can put it, uh, we can, we can link it up. If anybody wants to, uh, um, get the name of it, send send you an email. You already said your email. Say it one more time for the, for the... Oh, business. it's, uh...
0: We'll, we'll do it at the end, it, it, but it's essentially it's riotonthesetmedia at gmail dot com. So um, yeah,
1: so I'll go look it up. But it is it's a five story bookstore nice. that used to be a factory, and you literally go up the old elevators, and each floor is like, hey, this is a fiction floor. I went on the nice. fiction floor, looked straight for Bradbury, found my ten cent copy, and I'm like, oh,
0: definitely no. sounds out like a place I could get lost in for a couple of days because um, days, yeah. Yes. Right. we We're have a bookstore here in Jackson and it's, you know Jackson's not a big town uh, but no, no. the guy that runs it he's got a massive massive amount of books in this place like it's very well organized uh, but for a used bookstore I mean it's serious like it's not your average run of the mill used bookstore I mean this dude has got section after section and he's got good quality books and you know he takes the trades and and different things and he every single thing you can think of from cookbooks to you know to fiction to historical stuff to children's stuff he's got the the movies and the the dvds stuff and i mean he's got just everything under the sun and a really really good guy with a good passion for reading and um it is one local business that I absolutely support because I, I love him. I love his store and what he's done yeah. with it. And the fact that even though he doesn't make a ton of money at it, you know, he makes a, a nice living and that's about it. But he right. keeps on doing it even though, you know, yeah. it's a long, tedious process. So um.
1: so that was my second Fahrenheit 451, nice. Ray Bradbury.
0: Nice. What's yours? Um, the next one on my list... This is a book. It's the only book that this guy ever wrote. For some reason. I don't know why he never wrote a second one. uh, But it is is an English author. uh, Named Jonathan Acliffe. A-Y-E-C-L-I-F-F-E. It is a book called Naomi's Room. It is one of the most cerebral. Terrifying fucking books that I've ever read. To the point that literally, when I first read this book, I I was like sitting in my living room, it was dark. And I was constantly looking down the hallway. The hair on my arm, standing on edge. I swear I felt people watching me while reading this book. I mean, it was done in one of the most genius ways. Go and read the reviews for this book. Everybody says the same thing. This is one of the most mind-altering books, man. Like, this book is a complete mind fuck, okay? Like, it will affect you in ways that a book shouldn't affect you. Um, dude is... There's a twist at the end that you completely don't see coming. It's creepy as shit. Everything about this book, like, if you want a supernatural horror-type book... This is the book, okay? Like, I will tell anybody... Sounds good. This book is fucking creepy as shit. You're not going to want to read it while you're alone in the dark. It will make the hair on your neck stand up. Um, you won't see the ending coming. You know, it's just a killer book. It's Naomi's Room by Jonathan Acliffe. Um So, yeah. I like it. Yeah.
1: my my, my last one should we do like an impromptu drum roll Um. (laughs) I'm just kidding um I put it as my number one um and again with the theme it's something that's impacted my life it's something that's always been there it's something um that I've always loved it's called The Spine of the World by R.A. Salvatore (laughs) nice so um no, I'll, I'll do the personal story first And then I'll, I'll go into the writing Right Personally um, I was around Maybe 13 when I started The Drizzt Duardin series Um I started with Streams of Silver Like you're supposed to Yada yada And then you go into the Underdark With Drizzt, uh, Drizzt or Dritz Or mm-hmm. however they say his name Everyone says it different Um but i was just captured. This man built this world over 30, 40, 50 years and it was something that my dad and i connected with. Yeah. And i'm reading these books mad style. Man, i'm just i'm just going through them and i'm loving the themes. I'm loving the story of how like you are not a victim of your circumstance. You need to break out of that you are, just because you are this does not mean that you have to be that. You can break the sins of your father, you can make friends that look different than you, and it's swords and sorcery, of course, right? Um, but the biggest thing was that my dad and I, every year for Christmas, used to get the um, hardcover copies for Christmas. We would I would buy him one, and he would buy me one, and we would read it, talk about it, yada, yada, yada. So just growing up with him, like that. I still read his books to this day. And yeah. I actually get on my dad. I'm like, Dad, like, I'm 16 books ahead of you right now. Like, where are you at? Oh, it's work. No, whatever, dude. I work, too. Like, don't don't use that excuse. I, yeah. yeah. Cool, Dad. Um, you know, I, I had a signed copy of Ari Salvatore's book. Um, he actually, like, wrote a personal message in there. Just everything about this series is what I love. But the special thing about the spine of the world is I'm reading through the series and, you know, I'm like 13, 14 years old and I get to the spine of the world in the series. And my dad says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't read that one yet. And I'm like, whoa, wait. Like, I read all the others up to this point, Dad. He's like, nope, this one is a little bit more risque. Like, this one's a little bit more R-rated. You're going to skip that and you're going to go straight to the next book. So I saw this book on the shelf for maybe a year or two, I skipped the book, like he said, because, you know, I do listen every once in a while. <laughs> and I kept saying, Dad, is it time for the spine of the world? Nope, not yet. Dad, is it time for the spine of the world? Nope, not yet. Keep reading. And finally, I got to read the spine of the world. And it was like a coming to, to, to manhood moment for me. Like, I didn't get a sword and a shield. I didn't get the family heirlooms. I got to read the spine of the world. Nice. And I read that book, and I laughed, because I'm like, Dad, what the hell are you trying to hide from me? There is nothing in this book that is different. No, oh, it's totally different. It's way more risky. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever, Dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a running
1: on Joke for, like, years. Dad, can I read the spine of the world? Nope, not yet. Nice. So not only does he build a world that has so many themes that coincide with the world that we live in right now. Not only did he build an interactive world where you can relate to the characters, you always want to know what's happening. I have those childhood memories. And again, I think that's where a lot of our listeners can can right. connect with us, is that sometimes it's not just the book, it's just the memories behind the book yeah. that makes that book your top 10. Yeah. So, my last book, and I wish he was, I wish the author was listening to me right now. I wish I could thank him for enriching my life since I was a young wee lad, right? But, um, Spine of the World by R.A. Salvatore. If you haven't read it, it, you need to read it, because...
0: It's (sighs) actually funny because I actually have a tab open in Firefox right now of R.A. Salvatore, because there was actually one of his books that I was looking for to put on my list, Ah. and going through his list, I couldn't buy the... I remember reading the the book vaguely, um, but I don't remember the title of it or even the complete storyline of it, Um, but I, I... you know, I was looking for it because his name... is one of the first names that popped up. I, I know he's written, like, what, 30 or 40 books over the years and all that. Oh, yeah, and, and it's, it's you know.
1: transcended yeah. years. I mean, yeah. this man has been writing since the 80s?
0: Yeah, I think it was 79, I think, was his first one, if I remember correctly, looking at it.
1: Um, and he's not stopping. I mean, he's...
0: 1979.
1: I, I, I feel like a couple of times yeah. I've read in the series where it's like, oh, yeah, he's done. Like, this... This is over. I'm never getting another book of this again yeah. of this series. But then it, he brings it back, you know. So that's mine. So what, what's your what's your numero uno?
0: My um, to tell the story of this one, this was a book that my good friend Carol told me about a dozen times, and I just was like. Eh. Eh, and anyway, I kind of hemmed and hawed about it, and I thought it was a historical book. I thought it was like a, a non-fiction type of book. She kept telling me to read this book, and she told me, oh, it's the funniest book you're ever going to read. You will laugh until you cry. Uh, it's about Jesus, and I was like, <sighs> you know, no book about Jesus has ever been written. That's funny. Um, Finally, got around to reading it, and I wasn't even on the third page, and I was already in tears of laughter. Um, uh, the book uh, is written by Christopher Moore, uh, and it is called Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Friend. Um, and to, just to give you an idea of what this story is, it is essentially the tagline. Everyone knows about the Immaculate Conception and the Crucifixion. But what happened to Jesus between the manger and the Sermon on the Mount? In this hilarious and bold novel, the acclaimed author, Arthur, author blah, 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 shares the greatest story never told the life of Christ as seed by his childhood pal, Biff. Um, so essentially, what this is, is this is the story of Jesus traveling all of these places, a biff in tow, and since Jesus was perfect and couldn't commit sin, like getting drunk or having sex or any of those things, he lived vicariously through biff. (laughs) So there's all of these hilarious adventures that Jesus and biff go on. Um, Christopher Moore... He's a goddamn national treasure, man. Uh, this is. <laughs> I read Lamb and then I read Sacre Blue and then I read Practical Demon Keeping, uh, which is actually kind of related to Lamb, but not. Um, there's a small section of Lamb where they are in Pakistan and they meet this guy who keeps a demon and, um,. The guy and the demon are actually the main story of practical demon keeping. Um, so he kind of makes the books kind of connect, but not like in a series type of way. Um, Christopher Moore is absolutely hilarious. Like um, if if George Carlin and Douglas Adams was turned into one person it would be Christopher Moore. Like, he's got that biting sarcasm of George, but he's got that just... funky humor that Douglas Adams had. Um, You know, uh, he is American, so it's American humor, uh, but there's so many things. Every book that Christopher Moore writes is just downright hilarious. The guy... He's my favorite author, and I would give anything to interview him. Uh, He is, Lamb is by far, I challenge anybody, read the book. You will laugh. If you don't laugh hysterically at this book, then you have no sense of humor. Okay, like, like, you know, this is, this is one of those books. This book is so funny that I have, I've told people, like, I would love to hear the audio version of this book read by Samuel Jackson or Ryan Reynolds because both of them would just be the perfect character to read this story like it just or or, or even together like like have Ryan be Biff and Samuel be Jesus um oh. there's there's so many things in this book like I I, I don't want to give it away I don't want to ruin it but there's just They go to Pakistan, they go to India, they go to China, they go to um, Rome. They go to all of these places in this adventure during the years of, you know, in between A and B. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a hilarious book. I I, I promise you will laugh until you cry. And thank you, Carol, for uh, never letting up and essentially bugging me to death until I did break down and read it um, mm-hmm. because hands down nothing else is even close to this book as far as books that I love um, so yeah Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff Christ's Childhood Friend by Jonathan um, or I'm sorry by Christopher Moore I, I, I always want to mix up Christopher Moore and Jonathan K. Simmons uh, for some reason they look alike Uh, They look a lot alike in uh, completely different genres, like Christopher J. Simmons does horror stuff, but um, yeah, for some reason. Um, Anyways, Christopher Moore, look him up, promise, all of his books, you will laugh. Um, He has books about uh, stupid Christmas angels, Uh, there's one called The Stupidest Christmas Angel, uh, Sacre Bleu, which is a book about uh, French cooking. Uh, practical demon keeping lamb, um, just everything. Like I said, the guy's a fucking genius. He's he's a national treasure. Like they should give him the key to the White House and just let him have the Lincoln bedroom anytime he wants it. You know, because um, he deserves it. So, <laughs> and, and I hope he continues to write books for many many years and and whatnot. And um, yeah, so. Anywho, that is my number one. So, um, with that said, thank you for taking the time to do this. <laughs> of course,
1: man. No, I, I definitely love to come back sometime if you allow it. So yeah,
0: anytime, anytime you want to do another list or anything, you've got. I, I constantly update it. Just ask for the updated list; I'll send it to you. Uh, for those of you that want to get in on this, it does not have to be books. It doesn't have to be music. I have got a list. Just hit me up on Messenger or in email and say, hey, can I have a copy of the list? I have hundreds of topics, uh, wrestling, movies, random stuff, uh, sports, uh, TV, uh, just all kinds of stuff. Or if you have a topic in mind, you know, um, we were talking last night and the topic of Cheech and Chong come up. I hadn't even thought anything about Cheech and Chong. There is now a topic on there. The top ten reasons why Cheech and Chong are national treasures. Um, (laughs) So, I I need one of you uh, weed-smoking high-on friends of mine uh, to do a top ten list with me of why Cheech and Chong should be considered national treasures. Um, Because they should be, like, face it. You know, we would be, you know, life would suck if we didn't grow up without... Dave's not here, man. <laughs> um, but with that said, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to shut up. And this is Ishless, the, ish list, the uh, 10, I don't even know how I titled this, uh, 10 books that every book lover should read ten before they die. Mr. Ian Bush, <laughs> we're going to link him uh, in this, and uh, we're we're, we're out of here, basically.